Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Guess I Work From Home, and this is a podcast. Today, I have Todd Paltzmeyer with us. He is from Colorado, Denver, Colorado, uh, not too far from Arizona, I guess. Todd, go ahead and tell us about your new venture, selling fingernail clippers. Yes. So I left a very, very long career in software development. And the thing that I got into is... I created the world's safest nail clippers for whenever you trim somebody else's nails, like your little infant or baby or toddler or young child. Or if you're a caregiver and you've got a senior citizen or somebody who's disabled and you go to trim their nails, you can use these clippers because they're super, super safe. And the reason the nail clipping is so scary is that when you're trimming somebody else's nails and you squeeze that handle, you don't know if you're about to cut their skin because you can't feel what they're feeling. So yeah, I've been, I've done it. I've, I've totally chopped and made my kids bleed before um, when they're so tiny, especially like literally newborns. And when babies are born, they come out with fingernails, like <laughs> fingernails that need to be trimmed immediately. And I think I made our first kid bleed. And then ever since then, my husband has always done the nail clipping so so you did you leave your software development job to do this or did you just transition for other reasons so i did stop doing software development in order to bring this product to the world wow and i have a story behind how i got there if you want to hear that please let's hear it all right so i was in software development for about 30 years and I had been really successful at it. And the software business is uh, a lot of feast and famine. Mm -hmm. And when you get in big projects, there's a lot of stress and a lot of time. And I had been doing that for a lot of years. So I was feeling a bit burned out. And unexpectedly, both of my parents died in a car crash. And that I'm was so really, sorry. really... Thanks. It was really, really traumatic. And it happened about five years ago. Mm. And it uh, really helped me, forced me to reexamine my life. And uh, parents were young and active and they hadn't talked to my brother and I about end of life uh, for them because they told us just about a few months before they died, actually, that we kind of brought up the end of life topic to them when we were on a and all together and they said oh we're, we're we're good awesome health we plan on living another 15 or 20 years let's wait a little while before we have that discussion mm. and then a few months later they both died at the same time in a car accident right after uh, I saw them with their grandkids mm. so it uh that event helped me to really look at and examine my own life what am I doing the other thing that it did was since they went a little before their time and they had their finances in order, um, my brother and I got a chunk of change. And because I had two kids and at that point I was divorced and had a big payment going to my ex-wife, um, the amount of money my parents left me was definitely not enough to retire on, okay. but it was enough that I could go, okay, I can take a break from this grueling software development work, spend some time grieving and re-examine my life and go, okay, what do I want to do? Yeah. 
So what I ended up coming up with was I could go back into software, I could go back into that, or I could bring a dream to life. So I went with the dream. So you'd already developed the Clipper at that point? Ah, that's the next story. <laughs> Keep going. <Okay. laughs> All right. So because I was working at home, <laughs> the, the topic of this wonderful podcast. So because I was working at home, I got to be there as my kids were growing up. Mm. So my first was born and uh, each day I got to be there as he was developing day by day. And as you know, with kids, it's just so amazing and mind blowing to think that there's this new life here. And mm. yes, they don't just come out with nails they come out with razors on the tips of their fingers. It's true. <laughs> because, because their nails are paper thin mm. and paper gives paper cuts. Mm. It's sharp. It's just like razors. And so my little one was scratching mom's breasts while she was nursing and she really didn't like that. She's like, get us some clippers. Mm -hmm. So we got little baby nail clippers. Those little teeny tiny things that are like real small and they're for babies, right? Well, she used them and I heard this screaming from my kiddo and this loud exclamations from mom. And I ran in and she was like holding that little finger and I saw <laughs> blood on the tip of the finger and my kiddo was crying. Oh. And what happened was my kiddo cried for two whole minutes but mom cried for two hours mm -hmm. <laughs> she mm -hmm. felt so awful and so me being a guy I was like oh what's so hard about trimming nails oh you just made a mistake and she looked at me and said well then next time you're trimming the nails mm -hmm. okay I'll do it be happy to mm -hmm. so a week goes by and the next thing I know, she hands me the baby and she hands me the nail clippers. So I swaddle the kid up with one arm sticking out and I sit down in the rocking chair in the sunshine and I take those little nail clippers and I grab that little tiny finger and I hold the nail clippers up to that finger and I go, oh my explicitive, explicative, like I was just like aghast when I realized the jaws of those nail clippers, if I just squeeze the handle, would take off about half of my kid's fingertip. Because they're open so wide? Because they're open so wide. Now, what's <clears> wide <throat> on the, the aperture, the, the amount they're open on an adult is not that big compared to an adult finger. And when you're trimming your own nails, as you squeeze that handle, you can tell if you're going to hurt yourself. And so you stop. Mm -hmm. But when you're trimming somebody else's nails, you can't feel that. And with a little kiddo, you have to get those jaws closed past all of the skin and only clip that teeny tiny thin nail. So I knew I was in trouble, but I did my best. And I probably muddled through for about a month without hurting my little one. But then you know, the more you do it, the, and you take, it takes so long to be so careful. Like eventually I squeezed the handle and the moment I squeezed the handle, my little one flinched and I caught skin and I drew blood and I felt so awful. So I went never again. 
So instead of clipping it during the daytime, I put on a red headlamp and I went in at night. So the, my kiddo got nursed to sleep. I'd crawl into bed. I'd put on the red headlamp. I'd grab that little tiny finger while my kiddo was sleeping and very carefully without trying to wake it up, I'd trim the nails. And that worked for a while. But then eventually I learned kids flinch in their sleep when they're dreaming. Oh dear. <laughs> so again, I drew blood. Now this time, mom had worked very hard to get the kiddo to sleep. It's hard to get the kiddo to sleep. <laughs> oh, no. And oh my God, was she pissed at me when I cut that nail again and she woke up and she grumbled at me as it took her another two hours to get the kiddo back to sleep. Yep like between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. when she wanted to be sleeping. And I felt horrible. And then I went, okay, absolutely never again. So working at home, I uh, went into the garage. First, I searched all over the internet to try to find something that I knew would work. I could not find a nail product that I knew would be super effective and work really well. And what year was this about? This was about... 2004 okay in 2004 <clears throat> so i think your I, kids are just a little older than mine yes this this oldest whose nails whose fingertips i heard is now 19 okay <laughs> so i studied the problem i went oh i'm i'm cutting the jaws are so wide i'm able to cut the skin and I looked all around for a product that I thought could do the job better. I could not find anything. I went out to the stores. I looked at all the different baby nail clippers. I looked at all the nail products for kids and nothing I thought would do the job. So because I'm in software and I have an engineering mind, I'm always in the, how do you fix it mode? How do you fix information management? I, I, that extends into the rest of the world. I, I got duct tape and I'm able to fix things all mm-hmm. the time. So I took these nail clippers and I went, okay, how do I fix this? How do I make this work better? So after a few tries in the garage, I came up with my first prototype. And the first prototype allowed me to reduce the blade gap small enough so that the only thing that would go between the blades is the nail. And when the only thing that fits between the blades is the nail, when you squeeze the handle, you're only gonna cut the nail. The other thing that does is when the blades, when the blade gap is that small, you can literally put the blades right up against the fingertip and squeeze. And there's simply not enough room for skin to get between the blades mm. because the blade gap is so small. And your, the thickness of your skin is proportional to the thickness of your nail. So super, super small kids have super, super tiny nails. Their skin is very thin. But if that aperture only allows their nail in, then it's still small enough that it's not going to allow the skin in. All right. I'm going to sit here looking at my fingers now while we're talking. Um, how do you account for the curvature of the fingernails? That's an awesome question. So there's actually two curves on a fingernail. So if you look down at your fingertips, your fingertips are round at the tip. That's one curve. So if you're looking down at your hand, put your hand flat on the table and and then look down at it, you'll see that your tips are, the fingertips are curved and the the nails are curved. The other way you have a curve is if you point your finger straight at you and look at your fingers straight at you, 
you'll see there's a curve of the nail bed. The nail bed makes a curve, kind of like a roof right. over your fingertip. So the, those are the two curves. So when the aperture of the nail clipper is super, super small, it only allows the nail in, you can't just put the nail clipper straight up to the nail because of that curve. So what I did was I designed, and I got help from my brother on this. My brother had a kiddo um, a few years after mine. And so I gave him the prototype and I said, test it out and help me figure out how to make this better. And so he told me it's difficult to get the nail in there. If there was some way you could slide it in from the side easier, that would work. Mm. So I came up with rounding each side of the blades. So usually the blades have a perfect right angle on each side of the nail clipper. Okay. So the, the, the blades are flat. The cutting surface is perfectly flat and straight. And then on the edge, it's a perfect right angle. That makes a right angle point. And what I did was I, I grind those down with a special grinder and I create two rounded edges, which makes, when you're looking at it, it makes what looks like a funnel. So it's wide on each edge and then it funnels the nail between the cutting blades. Hmm. That allows you to slide the nail clippers onto the nail from the side and mm -hmm. you can do it from either side. And then once the nail is between the blades, you clip and then you slide it a little farther, clip again, slide a little farther and clip again. And as you're sliding, you're rotating the clipper to follow the, the arc of the nail. I think this would be a good time to invite you to hold it up to the camera for those of us sure. that are watching on the video. So, so for those of you that you can see, um, the way I'm holding it right now, you can just see right here, the, uh, the nail clippers have uh, blades that have angles on either side. I can and see it. Mm -hmm. Can you see it? Yeah, it's focusing now. Mm -hmm. Great. So that allows you to slide the nail between the blades. Now, if you, for those of you who can see it, you'll see that there's a heart on the dial and the heart is there because I call these love clips. It's almost love like they're sitting on a pedestal. Yes. So that pedestal is what I call the micro precision adjustment dial. And the dial starts at zero and at zero, the blades are closed. Mm -hmm. And when you turn the dial, there's, there's 10 numbers on there from zero to nine. And when you turn the dial from zero to one, the blades open to about the same thickness as copy paper. That's about, the newborn baby. That's the newborn baby size. That's about the same. That's about one tenth of one millimeter. Hmm. That's about this. That's about the thickness of a newborn's nails. And I, I was interrupting you right when you were trying to say the the product name. So sure. So the product name is Love Clip, and that's and Love is about L U V. So L U V C L I P Love Clip. They're also, they're at loveclip.com. They're also selling on Amazon right now. And they're on Amazon. They're the highest rated nail clipper hmm. for reviews. They have lots of glowing five-star reviews. Are they new? They work so well. Like, are they, they have, just on the market now? They've been on Amazon for a few weeks. Okay. And um, I've been slowly getting the main website um, going for sales 
and um, under the advice of a business coach, jumped over to Amazon and made sure I got them up there also. Um, can you talk about your transition from being a software developer to now having a physical product that you're selling? Because that's a pretty big leap going from developing to sales. It's been a huge one. <laughs> and it's uh, challenged me to look at myself and examine what I'm capable of doing and reworking stories inside my head about myself. Hmm. So, and also stories in my head about what it means to promote and sell a product and why I would do that. So, right. And I mean, like it takes a certain kind of personality to be the salesy person versus just offering a super great service or product and letting it speak for itself. And I'm assuming you're more of the latter. Right. Uh, Fortunately, I do have the world's safest notebookers. Mm-hmm. So I can unapologetically say these will absolutely make nail, cl- nail trimming super, super fast, very easy and very effective when particularly when you're working with your newborns or trimming somebody else's nails, they just absolutely do the job much faster and easier than the electric spinning nail files that have become popular. I haven't heard of those. That must have been after our kids. <laughs> Right. So nail, nail clippers were pretty much the only thing since they were invented back in the late 1800s. Oh, wow. Um, but people figured out that nail clippers drew blood. And so a number of companies came up with the electric nail file. The electric nail file is essentially a small Dremel. Hmm. And it's got a disc at the tip and it spins mm-hmm. and you put different abrasives different types of abrasive, depending on how much you want to abrade, whether you've got a super thick nail or if you're dealing with a little thin baby nail. And it just spins and you put that spinning disc up against your infant's fingertips. And it's really scary because you could sand and abrade their skin very easily. You have to have them hold still and it takes a long time. Um, But the advantage is they typically don't draw blood. hmm, They they just rug burn. Right. You might get rug burned and the kid might cry because of that. And so a lot of parents, um, they have trouble with their infants. Now, the spinny disc things, I call them the electric nail files. They work a little better with older kids that can hold still. But but these nail clippers, because they're adjustable and they start at zero closed and they go to one, two, three and four. Each one opens it up a tenth of a millimeter. These work for any age child from the teeniest, tiniest infant up to a 12, 13 year old. And for regular adult nails, they get definitely wide enough to work for any adult as well. So I was going to ask, cause you mentioned earlier for caregivers, especially if you're ever working with um, an older population, they're going to have thicker nails, possibly very thick nails and it right. will work for any size. Or do you have a bigger size for adult nails too? So I will be getting out a bigger size and at some point that has a larger aperture. Um, For this version, this will accommodate just about any regular thickness for an adult male. Okay. And for example, I have um, a good close friend who unfortunately had a um, spinal cord injury in a mountain bike accident and he can't use his hands anymore. 
and his caregivers have drawn blood on his fingertips yep. trying to trim his nails and he can't feel it but it's still dangerous because it can lead to infections and and other issues so he has a pair of these clippers and his caregivers use them on him and awesome. he feels much 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 safer having those um, for his caregivers to use and they probably appreciate it too because then they're not the being exposed care- to blood exactly the caregivers breathe a sigh of relief when they get to use these types of clippers so are that, you marketing them to that end as well? So I'm starting my initial marketing push to infants and babies. Mm-hmm. It's a very defined market and it has a huge need. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So I, I did a survey of, and I did about a survey with, I got a hundred responses and 99% of the parents reported experiencing fear trimming their children's nails. Oh yeah. Anxiety. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I'm, going, I'm, yep. I'm not joking. <laughs> Nine out of 10 said, I definitely wish there was a better, safer way to trim nails. And here's the scariest part. 66% of them reported injuring their children's fingertips one to seven times. And most of those involved drawing blood. And so that means two thirds of us, as we've grown up with nail clippers, have had our fingers injured by our parents when mm-hmm. we were young. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom hurting my nails when I was five years old, like hurting my fingertips. And as soon as I could grab those clippers from her and trim my own nails, I did. Um, my son has started playing cello and his instructor is insisting that he have his nails trimmed down every week for lessons and when he's practicing all week. Um, I've given him nail clippers to keep in his cello case. I have a pair on my key ring now because he always loses them or forgets. Um, he frankly prefers longer nails. <laughs> yes. I think he just finds them handy, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm like, listen, dude, you gotta, you can have long hand- fingernails on your other hand, <laughs> but you your, your, you know, cello played kind of requires. And I, when I was, um, doing pottery you can't have long nails so you mm-hmm. can also market them toward um artists because you know musicians and artists potter, potters especially you'll slice through all your clay your guitar you know um oh my gosh the neck of your guitar whatever that's called the bridge you can't <laughs> you can't be having your fingernails all over everything right. um so i've started carrying um clippers in my thing but he still doesn't um but yeah if we try to clip for him he's always scared and I feel like I'm going to have to get some of these for my 10-year-old boy because I think he'll really appreciate that. Yes, I have a neighbor um, and he found out about my invention and he said, oh my God, I have to get those for my 12-year-old. And I said, why? And he said, well, my 12-year-old, he tends to do fine when his dominant hand trims his non-dominant hand. Mm, right. But when he tries to trim holding the clippers in his non-dominant hand, oftentimes he'll slip and mm-hmm. cut his own skin and he complains about it and he doesn't want to trim his nails and his nails get super long and then mm-hmm. they break and they mm-hmm. tear and they cause problems mm-hmm. and they look ugly mm-hmm. with full of dirt. So, <laughs> so he got a pair of these clippers and his son really loves them. He, he can trim his nails safely with his non-dominant hand. And uh, the other reason that they're super nice for adults is that our our nails are larger, and particularly our thumbnail, and it takes a few clips to get all the way around. Mm-hmm. 
And so you have to move the nail clipper around your nail as you're trimming. Mm -hmm. And like I said, standard nail clippers have a perfect right angle point on the tips on mm -hmm. each side of the blade. When you try to slide the nail trimmer, those points dig into your skin or dig into your nail and they make it hard to move it around. Yeah. And so these clippers with the rounded sides on, on all, all four of the corners have been rounded off. So they're rounded. It's much easier to slide it around your finger. You, have to, you don't have to push as hard. It just makes it feel like butter as you move it around. And you can lower it so it's just your nail that fits between the blades or the aperture. So it's just the nail that fits between your blades. And it's easier for you to cut your nails without hurting yourself. Sounds like a really cool product. I would like to hear how are you, um, are you still doing this like in the garage or the workshop? Or do you have like a warehouse now that you're working with? Or are you doing it in a home office? How are you, are you taking, are they printing your own like, do you have like a die cut now where you're, I don't, I don't know the, any of the right words. Are they, are you manufacturing them yourself or are you modifying existing nail clippers? A little of all of that. And I'm moving into larger manufacturing as soon as I can, as okay. the sales start happening. Um, so I'm hundred percent sure that things are going to take off on Amazon really well. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a wise choice for me to get on there because I'm getting in front of the most people yeah. and it's going to get seen and picked up and the reviews are astounding. Good. <laughs> Parents are really, really loving these. So right now I'm manufacturing in the thousands and I have the dial 3D printed and at a local company. Mm -hmm. And I have a special stainless steel pin um, spin manufactured on special uh, equipment mm -hmm. with the stainless steel rod and then I have a few different parts uh, that I use to assemble it. Mm -hmm. And I'm buying uh, high quality uh, stainless steel clippers. And then I modify the handle and I modify the blades. And then I assemble them myself right now. Wow. Um, so as I get into assembling more, I'll hire a team to help me assemble them. Mm -hmm. And then the next phase is to um, get the design set up to have a custom nail clipper mm -hmm. and, and have all of the adjustments built into the nail clipper. Right. As well as all the other parts created in the factory and have the assembly done all together at once yeah. and packaged and set up ready to send to Amazon or send out to the customer. Right. So I'll get, I'll get one location set up with that. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of places these days to choose from on, on locations to do that. Um, with enough money and investment, I could set it up in the United States, all of it in the United States and be profitable, but you have to jump past the mid range up into the hundreds of thousands to mm -hmm. where you can make that profitable in the US. Mm -hmm. um, so I may choose an overseas place, particularly yep. during the middle times. Yep. Um, so those those are all hurdles that I'll need to jump through and I'll be doing what I've been doing all along. It's every step of the way. I work with consultants who, who know about it. I've already worked with a number of engineers, a number of designers to mm -hmm. get the product to where it is now and also help with business coaching and how to place products and all the mark, all the graphics design, graphic designs and things like that. I've gotten help with through consultants. 
when I lived in Illinois, and I know that it exists here in Arizona as well, there was the small, small business development center associated with our university. Is that one of the places that you started? I haven't used the small business development center. I've mostly been leaning on people who've had experience in the business world and just going one-on-one -on -one with them. Okay. Um, and I've got, I've received some great help from a number of different consultants. So there's gotta be, I'm holding up my hands and I'm realizing I've got some janky fingers today because I, I bit the dust. I, um, I was walking at parent teacher conferences and I just like tripped on uneven sidewalk. I kind of slipped off the edge of the sidewalk and just like splayed. <laughs> and I put all of my weight on my unprotected MacBook and my fingertips that got dug into the ground is great. So as I'm waving my hands around, um, so transferable skills from your software development years, what kinds of things do you feel have set you up for this time? So one of the things about software development is that most of the time when you work on a new project, you're creating something that hasn't been done before and you're doing something entirely new. Okay. So you have to put on, you have to put into your brain the concept that I'm going to get inspiration on how to figure this out. So what started happening to me in software development is I would have these different processes and hurdles that I'd need to accomplish. And I wouldn't quite be sure how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so um, it would, it would, it would go through my brain. And I would end up waking up typically between the hours of three to five in the morning. And I you know, get up to pee or something and, and my brain would turn to this problem. And how to write the algorithm, how to set up the database, how to configure the data relations, all of the answers would all of a sudden come to me. And I learned to keep a notebook next to my bed. Good idea. And I would jot down some of the details because uh, I also figured out that if I didn't, by the time I woke up in the morning, I would have forgotten them. Like a good so, dream that you forget. <laughs> exactly. So I would jot down these details and then I would go into work and put them into place. Um, I also learned in software development that uh, finding people who've done similar things before and getting help from them, finding code that already is written that does things similar and using it and changing it. So trying not to reinvent the wheel, but adapting existing things. So all of those were concepts in software development that I have transferred over to developing the nail clippers. So in, in certain areas of manufacturing for the net clippers, I would lean on engineers and designers to say, how can I set this up so I accomplish this function? And then a lot of the things, a number of the piece, number of the uh, wonderful features of the nail clippers came to me between the hours of three to five in the morning. Um, so like, you know, for example, the, the nail clippers have a, there's a bend to the blade so that the bottom of the nail clipper and the top of the handle are relatively parallel. So your, your standard nail clippers, the handle is always up at an angle and right. it's one long straight angle. But by having the, 
top part of that angle, the top part of the handle curved so that it makes a flat place, your finger and your thumb, your fingers and your thumb are just pressing together instead of not, they're not sliding down an incline as you squeeze. Because mm -hmm. when you are holding, when the neck, it's a standard neck clipper, the handle is at an angle the entire way. And like so a V. It's like it make, makes a V. So when you squeeze, your, your fingers can easily just slip down the handle. Mm -hmm. It makes it hard to squeeze and you end up holding your thumb on the, on the very edge of the handle and it actually feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Now that's a side benefit. But the real reason I came up with this is um, my, I watched a child take my nail clippers on one of my early prototypes and try to trim his own nails with these nail clippers. Now it's super safe because the jaws only allow the nail to go through, but the kiddo would squeeze. And because that long handle, long relative to his little hand was at an angle, when he squeezed his, his hands just slid down the handle. It didn't squeeze the blades together. So, so, I realized, so I realized in a dream that if that handle was curved, like if you look at a pair of pliers, the, the pliers don't have straight handles that come out and make a V. Mm -hmm. The handles started a V, but then they curve so that when you squeeze them, they're relatively flat and you can mm -hmm. get a good grip. So I mm -hmm. went, I want that same sort of curve in my handle so that when I squeeze, it's, it gives me an, it's an ergonomic way to squeeze them together. And it turns out that it works for little kiddos. Quite excellent. And I've had two and a half year olds trim their own fingernails mm -hmm. with my clippers quite safely. So it was one of your middle of the night Eureka moments. <laughs> yep. Let's bend the handle wow. and make it so that it's not only easier for adults to use, because when you're trimming somebody else's nails, sometimes your kiddo is going to be sitting on your lap. So you're trimming towards you. Sometimes you might be sitting next to them. So you're trimming to the side. Mm -hmm. They might be laying in bed and you're holding them forward. You need to be able to have the, the nail clipper in any position and easily squeeze it together, squeeze the handle together to squeeze it to, to close the blades. Wow. And having it that sort of ergonomic handle makes it really easy to do that in any position. Uh, what about Amazon? That's its whole story, I'm sure, getting into that marketplace. You want so, to talk about that for a bit? <laughs> yes. So one of the things that I have to absolutely accept is my ignorance. And I have to accept it, embrace it, and move on. And so finding someone to help me in that area was key. And um, so I found, I eventually found a consultant. And this man had worked a business through Amazon and on its own website. And it sold the business for seven figures. And then he took a break. And then he had a kiddo with his wife, who's now just over a year old. And then he went back to Amazon and started two more businesses. And he's also um, a big fan of the nail clippers. And uh, also he decided besides starting his business, he wanted to share what he'd learned with others. So he hung out his shingle as a consultant. So his, his main bread and butter is not just consulting. 
consulting is a, a side piece. His main bread and butter is getting his business, his two new businesses going. And so I'm, he's been really fair in his invoicing and he, he knows exactly what to do. So he's able to get it done really quick. And so he came in under my budget for getting this new listing on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And he, and uh, his, he, he, I can tell by the way he's working that he really knows what he's doing on the Amazon platform. That's awesome. Um, my ads, the ads that he's put in for me and the keywords he's selected um, are delivering really well for a mm -hmm. start. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually breaking even at the beginning of doing ads on Amazon. And he said, usually um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm not just breaking, I'm doing double the sales. So he said, usually people just break even. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting double the sales, double the amount. So I'm, you know, for every hundred, I'm getting two invest in advertising. I'm getting two hundred sale, two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars in sales. That's doubled. He said, usually you break even, or you're lucky if you get recoup half of what you spend. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing really well there, mm -hmm. and I think part of it is because of the great reviews on the product. When people land on it, they see that it's really worth it. So it brings up a question about patenting. What are you going to do about copycats? So I've invested the most money that I've invested has been in securing IP intellectual property rights. So I've got a trademark on Lovefoot and I've got that trademark in the United States. And I also got the trademark in China. Um, and then I have a design patent on the design looks for the product in the United States and China. And I also have a utility patent um, in the United States and China. So there are, I focused on the location that has tended to have the most knockoffs and uh, done my best to get IP protection over there mm -hmm. as well as here. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, the way the game works is I need to sell as much as I can, as fast as I can. And the concept of having uh, people who knock off my product is something that I need to have an orientation of welcome for. I need to welcome that happening because it means I'm doing really well. Mm -hmm. The copycats aren't going to come unless I am doing really well. Hmm. So it's a side benefit is the way I have to look at it. And, and then you'll be the original. I'll be the original. And I've got the right IP protection in place mm -hmm. to be able to send the right letters and be convincing to both Amazon and the people who are trying to do the knockoffs so that Amazon will block them. Mm. And the people who are doing the knockoffs will go, this isn't worth it. Mm. They can make our life miserable. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh that's where I'm headed. Any other thoughts about Amazon before we move on? I want to talk a little bit about your, um, your just your home office setup and what it was like for you transitioning to work from home in the beginning. But any anything else to wrap up Amazon? Um, so, I think I think the a lot of people have all said when you read about Amazon that it's a big beast and you just have to play in their ecosystem hmm. and. 
you just just have to realize it's very plain they are the 800 pound gorilla and if you want to get in front of a lot of people you have to jump in with amazon mm -hmm. and you've got to learn how to play in their ecosystem mm -hmm. and if you learn how to do it well if you do it well you can be successful so it to me it's been worth hiring a consultant who's already done that and has the experience at it so that i can trust that i'm going to get a good leg up i think that's that's the approach that i took and i've, I've heard a lot of people say the, the same thing so it sounds like you're selling on your own you already have a website up i have a website up and um in my trajectory, I didn't get to the point where I was pushing really hard to market it, mm -hmm. in part because I was looking at all the challenges of marketing and how to get in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was investigating uh, whether or not I should get onto Amazon. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, if you get a good consultant to help you get going, you'll be able to get going faster on Amazon mm -hmm. than trying to drive traffic just to your own website. Yeah, but both are beneficial. Both are beneficial. And everyone says, all the people I talked to said, get on Amazon, you'll get in front of a lot of people, get your sales up. And as you do that, and you get really good views on Amazon, it'll be easier to go and talk to influencers and bloggers and um, baby no clip and review sites and parent bloggers. Other people, podcasts. Other podcasts, yes. And to get in front of them and on their on those channels, you can send people more to your own website. At yes. Loveclip.com. Um you you keep mentioning reviews, and I'm assuming that's really where it's at on Amazon is getting people to give you the stars and give you like actual written descriptions and reviews, positive yes. ones. Reviews are the name of the game on Amazon. And I've got uh, 4.9 stars on my reviews and everyone says they're just amazing clippers. Um, even the, the interesting thing is that all of the four star reviews appear to be people who actually don't have children who grabbed the nail clip, who bought the nail clippers. And they talk about them as if, oh yeah, if I, if I were to use these on my kids, I think they'd be really good. Um, <laughs> And I mean, there's some people out there that literally will just say that nothing is perfect and nothing is like, you right. know, worth a five, you know, that would be like God status. And, right. you know, so there are people out there that just will never, right. I, I worked for a Chinese company actually teaching English online. And I learned that real quick. Cause there was one of the companies I worked with was basically based on stars. Um, and it was a 10 point process. And there were some people that would just, no matter what, no matter how pleased they were, they would verbally tell you that they were super happy with their class and they'd still give you like a seven <laughs> instead yep. of a 10. I mean, yep. so, um, but 4.9 sounds good. It's and the highest of any nail clipper up there. There you go. Um, let's go back and chat a little bit about your your original work from home journey that was right around the same time that you were having kids? Yes. Uh, so I had started software development. I worked for big companies, worked for a Fortune 500 company in Chicago. Um, and then I relocated to Salt Lake City, Utah. And while I was working for the Fortune 500, I was earning a salary and they were, uh, it was an, any sort of salaried software position, you 
you eventually started working more and more hours to make ends, you know, to get everything done. And, oh, I was working a lot more hours, but, you know, I also got some raises. And uh, in the course of the two years of starting to work for them, I I started working at about 40 hours a week. And they said, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we start people off and you, you get used to the business. And, and then I started talking to the people on the inside and say, well, after you've been here for a year, they really start to work you harder and you'll probably end up working a lot more hours. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, that happened. And I was working 45 to 50 hours a week, working on projects to get things done. It's just the culture and what was expected. Mm-hmm. And they would hire these consultants and these consultants would come in and I knew what hourly rate they were making and they were working a flat 40 hours a week. And if they worked more than 40 hours, they got paid for the extra hours. Mm. I calculated not salary out, people. <laughs> yep. Not salary people. And I calculated out how much I was making per hour. And when I started working 40 hours a week, I was making more money than after the raises working 45 to 50 hours a week. I was making less money per hour then, yep. <laughs> even though I'd gotten raises. So when I moved to Salt Lake City, I decided I was going to be a consultant. And um, so I hung out my shingle there and I worked a bunch of different jobs, a bunch of different consulting jobs. And it was feast and famine for a good while. Um, and eventually got hired in by the state of Utah and IBM. It was a joint project with the two of them. It was a very large project with 50 software developers on it. And once the project, I was originally working for IBM. Once the project was done, uh, the state kept 12 of their favorite uh, consultants, 12 of their favorite IBM consultants. I was one of them. So I worked for the state of Utah for a long time. Mm-hmm. And after 2002, um, they, they were done with working on my side of the project and okay. they let me go. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started going back to doing a lot of independent work. And that's when I started working out of the house. And that's when you were having a baby. So that, right. So I started working out of the house at about 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. And then my kiddo was born in 2003. Okay. Uh, so by that time that your baby was born, did you feel like you had kind of settled into that rhythm? Cause I know that that first six months or a year for someone that's working from home for the first time can be. I mean, like any job that anybody takes, it takes sometimes two months, six months or a year to feel like you even know what's going on. So how was that transition for you? The transition was pretty easy in part because working in software, um, even when I was expected to work in the office, there were a number of times when I'd be sick and I'd still need to work. There were a number Mm -hmm. of times I'd be traveling either on my own or for, for business and um, all of the software developers back then figured out how to remote into the computer they needed to work on. There's mm-hmm. a lot less cloud resources back then. You needed to actually be on the computer. Mm-hmm. So there were remote control software programs that we'd install on our desktop. And then we'd take out uh, the office that's connected to the big network. And then we could go home with a laptop and connect in. And so I could be traveling or I could be sick. And I could mm-hmm. connect in with my laptop and I learned I could be really effective working out of the house where I wasn't distracted by people coming by. In 2001, did you have a laptop at work or were you just issued one to go home on occasion? Um, uh, 2001, I had my own laptop Okay. That, that I got with the consulting firm that I was working with. I'm trying to think of like, I think I was just graduating. 
I had just graduated from college in 2000 and in 2001, I still was using, I mean, we didn't even have Google. I wasn't even using Google for another year or two. Mm. So, I mean, I think it existed, but like Yahoo was like the search engine to go to um, back then. So yeah, I used Google back in its very, very infancy. When? Uh, I started using Google in 98. You're a little ahead of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was really intrigued with the company. And it was very small and it just started. Mm. And I read about what the Google, Google is the name of a number that is really, really, really large. That's yep. And then Googleplex, name. we'd always say was even bigger because it had more zeros. <laughs> right. You were working from home kind of as the internet was really getting into more homes. Yes. How did that change your job? So uh, one of the things that it did is it just made uh, connecting in, since the internet just became a lot more ubiquitous, getting onto the internet in different locations just became a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like my friends were getting high-speed internet at their houses. Um, high-speed? Ca- <laughs> it was still like AOL dial back then. <laughs> Well, right. So something besides dial-up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, there were, there were people, you know, there was, we were getting, back then it was cable. Okay. Yep. I, I <laughs> lived in the cable. country, so that it affected right. my. Right. So something wired besides dial-up um, was much faster. Okay. And particularly in the bigger cities, people were mm-hmm. getting that. So I could actually connect in while traveling with friends and mm-hmm. do work when I was on vacation. Because I was in the, the definition of being in software development is you're always behind. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you're always behind the schedule <laughs> where they want you to be. <laughs> um, and right. So I guess, go ahead. So the other thing, but the big thing that the internet gave me was it made it much easier to work at home because the internet um, has so many answers for me. Mm-hmm. So learning how to search on any search engine. Google was one I used a lot, obviously. It allowed me to find the answers to all the problems that I ran into, which allowed me to be much more effective at home without needing to go in and and talk to somebody else. That's the biggest area that the internet helped me out of working at home was was that. Um, So the internet being available, the remote in software, being able to remote into other computers while working at home, Mm -hmm. that was a huge bonus. Um, and then working as a consultant um, for a while, I, uh, I used I used a uh, time tracking software product that consultants used, and uh, I ended up talking to the owner, and I actually ended up buying out the owner and having my own uh, time tracking software system used by consultants that was installed on your PC, and the original version worked for the original Palm Pilot, and uh, so I started. Develop, I started maintaining, it already been developed. I purchased it from the original owner with the buyout. And so I started maintaining the software. It was an old product called Responsive Time Logger. He made it work for the Palm Pilot. The Palm Pilot went defunct. And then three new players entered the scene. Windows Mobile, um, Android, and the iPhone. And um, because I'd done a lot of Microsoft Windows development, um, I went with getting my products on Windows Mobile first, and I sunk a ton of money into creating Windows Mobile product. 
and it Windows Mobile tanked. My investment was for not uh, because I was working so hard on the on the Windows Mobile. I hadn't been maintaining the main installation program. It didn't pan out the way I needed to financially. I had by that time I had two kids that I had to support, and I I knew that I just needed to get back into full time consulting to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. So I set the so- that software product aside and went back to full time consulting. Um, and then eventually, I never really did pick it up. And eventually, uh, the number of people using it went down. Windows versions came out, and I didn't keep up with it. So I let that side go. So I, I was in that entrepreneurial world for a little bit. Okay, and... so that's kind of like crash course back then. And then now yep. you're learning from your past mistakes or? Definitely learning from my past mistakes. And instead of being in a software product, I'm in a hard good product. I've got an actual physical thing. And when I was looking at bringing these clippers out to the world, um, everybody said, you'll have a much easier time selling a hard good product if it actually works, and it actually does the job really well. Mm-hmm. And so I felt really blessed because these nail clippers really are the cream of the crop and mm-hmm. they work so well. So at this point, it's just a matter of getting the word out. And if they, I, I, what I consider this is a revolution in trimming somebody else's nails. This will revolutionize the design of the nail clipper. And people just aren't going to go back to that fixed blade aperture. They're going to use an adjustable aperture when they're trimming their babies and when they're working with trimming somebody else's nails because it's just so much safer. So it has basically three different features that traditional nail clippers don't have. It's got the the dial. So you can open them really wide. You can open them to just over a millimeter. Okay. And so not not really wide, but right. you can so, open them relatively wide. Yeah. Health, most healthy adult nails, um, this, these clippers will fit on most healthy adult nails. Okay. If you have some sort of a fungus or whatever that causes your nail to go super thick, yep. it will work for that. Got if it. you've got a regular healthy nail, it'll probably work. And then they have the the bend in the in the handle, if you will, Correct. so that they can be squeezed in a more comfortable way. And then yeah. they also have the, I don't know, beveled edges that beveled let edges. you. Okay. Yes. And that's the main thing. They're kind of. Yeah. The other the other piece is that the dial has numbers on it, mm-hmm. so it makes it easy to for parents to say oh trim the baby on number one and trim the five-year-old at two and a half okay and then our 10-year-old has it at number four okay and when i use it um the interesting thing is that your pinkies are typically your pinky fingernail is typically about half the thickness of your thumbnail so your thumbnails are twice the thickness of your pinky nail I measured a bunch of different people's nail thickness with a caliper. <laughs> like, how the heck that's... do you measure that? <laughs> I can't see the difference. You use a caliper. Wow. Calipers that measure small, small, uh, very, small very small precision right. calipers. So, um, so you can adjust, you might want to trim your thumbnail on like a number seven, but you trim your pinky and your other nails on a number five, for example, mm. to make it easy to slide it in and have it be the right aperture. So how so much they, of this? Oh, go ahead. So it has 
So essentially four features, being able to easily change the dial to different numbers so you can replicate the thickness for different people, the fact that you can adjust it, the blades are specially angled to make the nail slide in super easy, and then it's got an ergonomic handle. And you've got more than one color? Yes, the, the dials come in different colors, which make it, makes it fun, particularly for your little kids that are that know colors. They can pick their favorite color. Um, you can go with a boy color, you can go with a girl color, you can go with something neutral, like a, like a beige. Um, and my favorite, of course, and that's the color I held up to the camera, is purple. <laughs> As you can see, I'm wearing a purple shirt. I see that now. <laughs> Okay, so how much of this is actually happening in your house right now? Are you working out of a home office or is that like all over the place? So you have a basement? <laughs> most of the time I'm in my home office. So is that what home. I saw you in the other day when we were in a focus mate session together? Correct. Okay. Um, my, my current wife and I, we share an office together. Mm -hmm. She's uh, part, mo some of the time she's at an office and mm -hmm. some of the time she works out of the house. Mm -hmm. So uh, most of the days I'm there by myself. Okay. Then I also have a garage workspace mm -hmm. um, where I'm uh, manufacturing and doing adjustments to the clippers. Mm -hmm. And then um, I typically do a setup on a long table when I'm doing assembly that I just okay. do in the house. Denver, Colorado winter uh, i'm from minnesota so i know all about winter but i don't really know about denver winters like are, i know that people ski but i don't know yes. what like if you're higher up in the mountains versus lower like is it super cold in your garage or do you have it climate controlled in there so it is colder in the garage but i'm also an active outdoor winter person and i love skiing love being outside so being out in a bit of cold doesn't bother me too much um i could just wear warm clothes and, and i'm comfortable um, and the, the garage is closed up and I do sometimes put a space heater out there if mm -hmm. I want to just take the chill off the air. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's easy. And, and then uh, we've had a number of days. Denver is, I'm in, actually a, in Boulder in between, I'm uh, close to Boulder in okay. a little town called Lafayette. Um, yeah. And we've had enough snow lately that I can cross country ski out my back door. And so... One of the key things I've noticed for my body is that if I get out and work for work out first thing in the morning before I go to work, mm -hmm. my head is clearer and I have a more productive day. So working out of the house is great. I can just wake up, go out and get a workout, come back. And uh, if I'm really going at it hard, I'll just sit down in my sweaty clothes and go at it. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about changing or if anyone else is going to smell my stinky armpits. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the benefits, right? Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think that I've conserved a lot of water since I started working from home. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But then uh, the other advantage is you can just jump up and jump in the shower whenever you want to. That is also back. true. A lunchtime shower is pretty right. dang great. Yeah. And, and just a towel is perfectly acceptable office attire. As long as you're not on camera, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very true. As long as you don't forget <laughs> when it's time to join a meeting. Right. All right. So you have a lot of components to your business right now. Are you still doing any consulting from your previous stuff? Or are you done? So I have one client. He's, he's actually a, a super, super good friend. And we have uh, 
we've worked really well together on maintaining a super close friendship while at the same time having a business professional relationship. Okay. And we've had to deal with some pretty big uh, business kerfuffles that have happened mm-hmm. between us. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they're his fault, sometimes they're my fault. So we've we've been a little ticked with each other at times, but we had a super close friendship and we were able to separate the business from the personal wow. and you know recognize we're each doing our best. So he, I've been his IT department. He has a small little company mm-hmm. and I've been his IT department since 2000. Okay. And um, he just, I know everything I, everything he has, I built. I know it like the back of my hand and essentially to help him out and to have a little bit of money coming in. Mm-hmm. I've kept him as a client. He's okay. worked out really well. And uh, I'm actually looking at uh, while I'm getting Amazon going before the sales get really big, it would be nice to have a little more income coming in. So I am looking around to find another like small time project or two that I could work on. Um, along with this other job as, mm-hmm. I'm, as sales are starting to build on Amazon just to help make ends meet. Okay. So you're open to a little bit more consultancy Correct. work. Um, but then I was going to ask you, how are you dividing your, not just say day, but like week, because you've got all these different components. You've got the physical product that you're dealing with and assembling. And then you've also got the, you're working with literally meeting or maybe virtually meeting with people who are coaching you through this process. And then you've got the marketing and the emailing and the website maintenance. I'm assuming you're doing yourself or are you working with other people on that? Yes. So um, uh, I'm working with, uh, and I'm spacing out on the, my first name is Liz and it's learn to make a product um, We'll get her website up in just a second. Um, so it's learn to make a product.com. Um, woman's okay. name is Liz, and she is a professional at helping people like me launch their product and get their business going. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in terms of what I do during the day, I'm leaning on her a lot to help guide me on the next right task to work on okay so yes sometimes i'm manufacturing clippers and getting them sent or assembling clippers and getting them sent into amazon um other times i'm setting up emails to send out to friends to encourage them to help me get started and send out the clippers and buy the clippers mm-hmm. and um and then whatever other things i need to be concentrating on so my work time kind of floats around to different things and it's, uh, it's, this is all a big, huge work in progress for me of learning to manage this and turning my attention to the next right thing that I'm supposed to work on. So I'm leaning on Liz for that. And also my Amazon consultant, he's giving me various tasks and things I need to get done. Would you say it's about 50-50 physical product versus all of the other stuff? Right, probably about 50 or 40% working physical product, 40% working on the business and about 10% working for my small client. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And then do you still have kiddos in the home? You said your oldest is 19. So my oldest is 19 and not with, not living with me okay. uh, anymore. And my 
younger one is 14 going on 15 and uh, she's half time between me and, and her mom. So, and your wife is kind of hybrid in the office, out of the office. And so are you primarily working out of your home or do you bounce around to coffee shops and some of the other things that people like to do work, 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 shared work spaces and such? So I had a shared workspace for a little while and I found that it really wasn't time or cost effective for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I found that just working straight out of the home is the best for me. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite tools to keep me attentive and and knowing that there's other people around has been Focusmate. Focusmate.com, which yep. is where we met. And it's great. I've met a number of people on on a Focusmate who've mm-hmm. actually ended up helping with, with different things. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I can use Focusmate and have a sense of connection with other people. And we get to support each other during our work sessions. And so that's kind of taken the place of needing to be in a remote or needing or wanting to be in a remote work location. Yeah. And so that's that's one of the tools I've been using. <laughs> last night, I'm going to interject my own story. Uh, lately, in the last few weeks, I, I, you've probably heard me clear my throat a few times. I think it's just mostly allergies. There's juniper in the air. It's just making me a mess. Um, and so when I don't feel well, I'm more likely to just fall asleep on the couch or just snuggle up with the kids and zonk out or, you know, climb into bed thinking that I'm going to work in my bed, but then I don't. Um, and so I've been sleeping inappropriately, like what I should be working. <laughs> um, so I got a little behind on a few things. And so I decided I'm just going to go to IHOP. It's like the only place that I can think of right now that's open 24 hours. Um, there was a donut shop that was supposed to be open, but as I pulled in, the lady locked the door. <laughs> and so I was like making friends with the waitress last night. And I actually got into focus mate sessions in IHOP because yeah. I'm still, you know, needing to stay focused yeah. and it worked. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so we met while well, you were sending emails. And so that's mm-hmm. part of your thing. I actually think I'm going to have to order some of these from you. Would you prefer I order them from Amazon or your website? Amazon would be great. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. Mm-hmm. And currently two of my siblings are expecting. Great. They so, are wonderful baby shower yes. gifts. Yeah. As you can, as, as you said, they come out ready to have their nails trimmed. And these are the only nail clippers in the world that will allow you to trim just the nail on even the teeniest, tiniest infant safely. So you have worked from home in more than one capacity as an employee, yes, as in a consultant, and yes. now as a entrepreneur. Correct. Well, you did that before, and you're doing it again, selling a physical product. Correct. Um, I'm sure that you have had people ask you in the past. Uh, do you have recommendations for people who want to work from home for the first time? So yes, getting your I. Uh, I'm a big proponent of having a very ergonomic workstation uh, because in my work doing software development, whether it was at my office or at home, Mm -hmm. um, if I wasn't in a good physical position, Mm -hmm. the hours of work uh, caused tightness in my neck and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I developed the early precursor to carpal tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned that all of the symptoms related to carpal tunnel 
are easily preventable if you have an ergonomic space, mm -hmm. if you do some yoga and stretching and make sure that you're stretched out and you're sitting comfortably. So I get my home office or my office at work, but at home, at home it's a little more challenging because you, you typically have to buy all your own things. Yeah, you're winging it with whatever you have. Unless or you're... winging it with whatever yeah. you have, which can work great. <laughs> yeah, if you know um, what to do. But right. a lot of people aren't willing to spend the money, so. Right. So if you're not willing to spend the money, that's fine because you can make things pretty easily. Yep. Um, so phone books, actually, remember those old phone books? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you don't have phone books, any sort of book, stacks of wood, you can get your monitor up to the right height. Um, mm -hmm. I've got my get... monitor on an old, um, they were like, I can't hold one up because my computer's literally on it, but it's like a secretary organization, like desk. Yep. Um, like it's like a cubby that you could put like, kind of like this but in wood form it's like you know to hold multiple levels of paper and small tiny little narrow shelves right. I just have it it's like about a foot tall and it just raises up my monitor to an appropriate height right and then I have to have a separate um keyboard definitely the separate keyboard so you can get your monitor to the right height you get your keyboard to the right height um a keyboard tray is really handy mm -hmm. I have it on a keyboard tray right which Another I didn't have. And when I didn't, I had, you know, the expensive consultation for, um, I ended up having a really severe case of tendonitis. Is that what the precursor is to carpal tunnel or is that a completely separate thing? Tendonitis or repetitive strain injuries. So carpal tunnel is one of the flavors of repetitive strain injuries. Mm -hmm. Your tendonitis is, is most likely a repetitive strain injury related. Um, so so yes, getting everything uh, ergonomically correct in your workspace, winging it yourself is, is key to being physically comfortable. And then the rest of it is all between the ears in terms of how you help yourself focus mentally. Me working out at the very beginning always helps. Work out at the beginning of the day, gets me focused, gets me going. And then it's... Uh, it's paying attention to what you're doing. Focusmate really helps me with that. It encourages me to stay focused on my task. Um, and then eating really well. So I try to make sure I'm eating foods that keep my blood sugar steady, um, foods that are good for me, keeps my brain more alert. Um, and then using tools like Focusmate to encourage me to really stay on task. So those are those are probably the three biggest areas that I need to pay attention to. And so anybody who's going to tell me they're going to work at home, I encourage them to think about those things. Mm -hmm. And are there any challenges that you overcame? Any big obstacles that were hanging you up at the beginning that you feel like you've worked through? Yes. Um, an addiction to the news. Ah. So every night growing up, my parents would turn on the news mm -hmm. around dinner time, mm -hmm. and then again in the evening. Mm -hmm. The dinner, five o'clock news, and the ten, and the eight or nine o'clock news, or whatever the time okay. time was. Yep. So I grew up with a lot of just seeing a lot of news. Mm -hmm. And so when I started working at home, uh, Google News became something that I would jump on, mm -hmm. and it became a huge distraction. Yep. Um, and it took me away from concentrating on tasks. So working at home. And being a consultant, it would mean 
I would then, in order to get meet deadlines, I'd have to work late into the evenings. I'd need to work weekends because just the procrastination from watching the news, looking at the news, slowed me down. Uh-huh. So I went on a complete news fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the last oh, 10, 12 years, I have very rarely ever looked at Google News mm-hmm. and any news for that matter. And I learn about things from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learn about things on Focusmate sessions. When I go to the store, I hear the news. Um, mm-hmm. When I meet, get together with friends, I hear the news. And all the news I need to hear, I'm getting from outside sources, not on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Facebook has become a parallel to that. It's yeah. just a little more social. Yeah. So um, that's a little harder because I've also got my business on Facebook. Yep. But, um, you know, I, I've really worked diligently at making sure that I stay off of Facebook and I'm not on it for a long time. Um, and I know what I know a tool that can help with the I don't know if I can pull it up, though. What is it called? Uh, it's a extension that you can add. I just can't remember the name of it. Newsfeed Eradicator. So you can have your, your Facebook. You just don't see the wall with all of the um, posts. So you don't just like scroll and scroll and scroll. You can still access your Facebook personal page. You can still access and you can like search for a specific person and like go look at their stuff if you need to. But mm-hmm. it just helps um, prevent like just the scrolling and scrolling and scrolling for hours, which I've definitely fallen trap into. My um, My kids noticed the other day that I had screen time controls on my own phone because it said okay you've met your you know whatever time that you set for um screen time on facebook Mm -hmm. and i said okay and then i shut it down or i put in the code and we watched for one more minute but um they were like you have a control on your own phone and like "Mm -hmm, i need it (laughs) i'm down 19 percent from last week great (laughs) last week wasn't good (laughs) Mm -hmm. i wasn't feeling good so i I caught up on the news last week. Yes. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, I think that uh, I have to say that working at home is also one of the reasons that my nail clipper invention happened. Okay. Because if I hadn't been working at home, I wouldn't have been there to do the nail trimming um, nearly as frequently. And I, I just would not have been available. I would have been at work a lot of the time. Do you feel like you were with your kids more then? Oh, definitely. I got to see my kids quite a bit working at home. And, uh, you know, they could, when they're old enough, they could toddle into the office. Um, I could come out of the office and be around them instantly at lunch. Um, I wasn't, you know, that 10 10 to 60 minute commute time twice a day, all that time could be spent just hanging out with the kids instead. Um, Yep. Gave mom a good break. And then it got me connected with my children. And so you know, the still the big thing is uh, just staying focused on my work and closing the door at times. Um, but around that, I was just much more accessible to the kids and I could get to them so quickly and easily. Was- I know that working at home with little kids can definitely be a struggle, especially if some people think that they can just 
watch their kids while trying to work as well um, the whole time. Uh, usually needs two adults in the household to make that work. But I do think that the pros can outweigh the cons um, just to have that accessibility when you want to be so close to them. Yep. Yeah, there were definitely times I needed to be willing to work late at night after they were asleep. Yep. Um, like particularly if mom was sick and I was yep. taking on more of the child care, um, they'd go to bed and I'd work mm -hmm. late. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I definitely did that a number of times. Mm -hmm. But I did that for 13 years. <laughs> yes. And, but it, it feels, it definitely was worth it. And it was, it was great to have the flexibility of working at home to just you know, finish dinner and get the kids tucked into bed and then to be able to go back to work. Mm -hmm. and, um, well, I'm going to just really quick before we totally wrap up, just invite anyone else who wants to tell their story about working from home. You're invited to go to my website, www.yesiworkfromhome.com. Uh, if you go to forward slash podcast forward slash guest, you'll find the guest interest form where you can fill out a few details about your work from home. I usually just ask that people work 50% or more from home and then you're eligible to be on the podcast. If you want to tell your story, it doesn't matter to me if you are an entrepreneur, a freelancer, an employee, a boss, an owner, a CEO, anybody is invited to, to show up and, and just tell their story. As you can see, it's very conversational and Todd, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're very welcome, April. I've enjoyed myself. It's been fun to share this, my story. And I hope I'm benefiting parents and others that want to work at home. Tell us one more time where we can find your products. Uh, you can find my product on Amazon. If you search for baby nail clippers, um, you can also add the word love clip, L-U-V-C-L-I-P, onto the search term on Amazon. You should be able to find it that way. And then you can also go to www.loveclip.com. And if someone wanted to reach out to you, or are you on social media? Um, my contact information is on loveclip.com. And then I'm also on Facebook uh, as in loveclip.com. So facebook.com forward slash loveclip, L-U-V-C-L-I-P will get me on my Facebook page. Excellent. All right. Well, this has been April Malone with Todd Paltzmeyer. Yes, I work from home and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you, April. Take care, everyone.